Pastor Xavier Reese with the comfort that comes to those who are seeking the Lord. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I don't care how hard, I don't care how much pain, I don't care how difficult it is. Jesus is sufficient, and He'll never leave you nor forsake you. Like Paul says, we can't even compare the eternal weight of glory compared to what we go through now. It's nothing. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. It's been said the putter is the essential club for golfers. The chef's knife is the essential tool for cooks. And Psalm 23 is the essential text for the daily life of faith. Sure, you can golf without a putter, cook without a chef's knife, and live the Christian life without Psalm 23, but who would want to? Comfort through life's difficulties is but just one simple truth Pastor Xavier has on hand today as he continues his verse-by-verse series of the Psalms. Let's listen. Now in Psalm 20, it's a Psalm of David to the chief musician again. And here, verses 1 through 5, you have a chorus declaring the need of God in the day of trouble or battle. In verse 6, you have the king's voice, his confidence in God. And then verse 7 through 9, his declaration that he has no confidence in his own flesh. May the Lord answer you in the day of trouble. May the name of the God of Jacob defend you. May he send you help from the sanctuary and strengthen you out of Zion. May he remember all your offerings and accept your burnt offerings. Selah. Selah is pause, meditation. Then in verse 4 he says, May he grant you according to your heart's desire and fulfill all your purpose. Uh, we will rejoice in your salvation, and in the name of our God, we will set up our banners. May the Lord fulfill all your petitions. This is the chorus for the godly man as he walks with God, the godly woman that has, he has access in that prayer relationship that he comes to God, God looks upon him with favor, and he hears him, and he responds, and he guides him. Now in verse 6, the king's voice, his confidence in God. Now I know that the Lord saves his anointed, the king who was reigning then, David, but long-term wise, Messiah. He will answer him from his holy heaven with the saving strength of his right hand. Jesus cried out from the cross as we're going to see in the Psalms to come. God delivered him. Now he says some trust in chariots, some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. You might you want to translate it, some trust in modern day tanks and some trust in the Lord. Um, that's what the chariots were, they were like tanks. You know, the arm of flesh, your own strength. He says, but we will uh, remember the name. Notice the powers in the name of the Lord our God. They have bowed down and fallen, but we have risen and stand upright. Save, Lord. May the king answer us when we call. And so the confidence in God. Psalm 21. To the chief musician, a psalm of David. It's a psalm of triumph and victory. It's connected with the 20th psalm. In verse 2, it speaks about his heart's desire. 
In verse 4 of Psalm 20, he spoke there about that he, God would grant him according to his heart's desire. In verses 7 and 8 of Psalm 20, it speaks about trusting in God. Psalm 21, verses 7 through 12, the acknowledgement of victory there in God's confidence. So they, it's believed that they are related and connected. Verse 1, he says, The king shall have joy in your strength, O Lord, and in your salvation how greatly shall he rejoice. You have given him his heart's desire and have not withheld the request of his lips. So it corresponds to the preceding psalm. For you meet him with the blessings of goodness. You set a crown of pure gold upon his head. You, he asked life from you and you gave it to him length of days forevermore. His glory is great in your salvation. Honor and majesty you have placed upon him. For you have made him most blessed forever. You have made him exceedingly glad with your presence. Notice that. The gladness of the Christian, of the believer, is not because of things or situations, but because of the presence of the Lord. Knowing that you are right with him and that he is fellowshipping with you. For the king trusts in the Lord, and through the mercy of the Most High, he shall not be moved. Your hand will find all your enemies. Your right hand will find those who hate you. You shall make them as a fiery oven in the time of your anger. The Lord shall swallow them up in his wrath, and the fire shall devour them. Their offspring shall, you shall destroy from the earth, and their descendants from among the sons of men. For they intended evil against you. They devise a plot which they are not able to perform. Therefore you will make them turn their back. You will make ready your arrows on your string towards their faces. Be exalted, O Lord, in your own strength. We will sing and praise your power. Paul speaks in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 7 through 9, how when Christ returns, he will take vengeance upon those who have been really evil towards the believers. And how God is the one who really takes vengeance for us. And how our trust is in Him. And, and here the psalmist just um, declares this wholeheartedly. Now in Psalm 22, it's a, to the chief musician again, it's a messianic psalm. It describes the crucifixion in detail. Interesting, the Psalm 22, 23, and 24 is called a trilogy. Psalm 22, God is seen as the good shepherd dying for His people. Psalm 23, the great shepherd, the one who guides us. Psalm 24, the chief shepherd, the one who reigns. And those are the three titles that we find in the New Testament of the shepherd Jesus Christ. Verses 1 through 21, we see the suffering Messiah. Verses 22 through 31, the conquering Messiah. He says, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Why art you so far from helping me and from the words of my groanings. Here we see the fulfillment even as Jesus in the Gospels. As he is on the cross, cries out to his father. All are mocking him. If you be the son of God, come on down. And yet as Jesus cried out, 
He cried out to the Father. And he says here, why are you so far from helping me? Why have you forsaken me? He gives us the reason why. He says, oh my God, I cry in the daytime, but you do not hear. And in the night seasons, and I am not silent. Here's the reason why God could not help Jesus Christ. Verse 3, but you are holy who inhabit the praises of Israel. You see, Jesus became sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him, 2 Corinthians 5.21. And God being holy, Habakkuk says, He cannot look upon sin with condonance. And therefore, Jesus was abandoned by the Father, separated, if you will. How can that be? I don't know. But Jesus said, why have you forsaken me? He says right here, because you're holy. And Jesus became literal sin for you. He was crucified in our place, our substitute. And so on the cross, you have the wrath of man, the first three hours from 9 to 12. And then from 12 noon to 3, you have the wrath of God upon him. And then he died. And then he was put in the grave. And then he rose from the dead. And he conquered over sin and death. And so the fulfillment from the cross. Our fathers trusted in you. They trusted in you, delivered them. They cried to you and were delivered. They trusted in you and you were not ashamed. But I am a worm and no man, a reproach of men and despised of people. All those who see me laugh me to scorn. They shoot up the lip. They shake the head saying, he trusted in the Lord. Let him rescue him. Let him deliver him since he delights in him. Matthew 27, uh, the other Gospels, you'll find that Luke 23, you find these quotations there, all of them there at the cross. But you are he who took me out of the womb. You made me trust when I was on my mother's breast. I was cast upon you from birth. From my mother's womb, you have been my God. Now there's a twofold application. The declaration of the psalmist, David, but also the fulfillment of the Messiah. He became man. He took on flesh. He occupied the womb of Mary for nine months. And then he was born. Be not far from me, for trouble is near. For there is none to help. Many bulls have surrounded me. Strong bulls of Basham have encircled me. They gape at me with their mouths as a raging and roaring lion. I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. A very picturesque and very specific description of the cross. This is thousands of years before crucifixion was introduced by the Romans. It was a gruesome death. At the time that David wrote this, the capital punishment or the manner by which Hebrews were put to death was stoning. And yet he's describing to the detail the crucifixion. A man would be so tired that his ligaments and muscles would just collapse and then his joints would be pulled out of socket. He would suffocate, unable to pull himself up to be able to breathe. My heart is like wax. It has melted within me. My strength is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue clings to my jaws. You have brought me to the dust of death. For dogs have surrounded me, the assembly of the wicked has enclosed me. They pierced my hands and my feet. Zechariah 12.10 tells us that. Where did you receive these wounds? In the house of my friends. And they will weep for him. 
I can count all my bones. They look and stare at me. They divide my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. But you, O Lord, do not be far from me. O my strength, hasten to help me. Deliver me from the sword, my precious life, from the power of the dog. Save me from the lion's mouth and from the horns of the wild oxen. You have answered me. I will declare your name to my brethren. Isn't that what he did when he came to the disciples afterwards? And they were afraid. He says, listen, this, it's not a ghost. Spirit doesn't have flesh and blood. Feel me, touch me. Let's eat together. <laughs> and he declared to his brethren the good news. He said he would meet them at Galilee. In the midst of the congregation, I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you descendants of Jacob, glorify him. And fear him, all you offspring of Israel. For he has not despised nor abhorred the affliction of the afflicted, nor has he hidden his face from him. But when he cried to him, he heard. He answered his prayer, the book of Hebrews says. My praise shall be of you in the great congregation. I will pay my vows before those who fear him. The poor shall eat and be satisfied. Those who seek him will praise the Lord. Let your heart live forever. All the ends of the world shall remember and turn to the Lord. And all the families of the nations shall worship before you. For the kingdoms is the Lord's and he rules over the nations. Underline that. The kingdom is the Lord's. The church is never the kingdom. The church is part of the kingdom. The kingdom belongs to the Lord. And one day Christ will establish the kingdom. And we are just his servants. That's all we are. All the prosperous of the earth shall eat and worship. All those who go down to the dust shall bow before him. Even he who cannot keep himself alive. A prosperity shall serve him. It will be recounted of the Lord to the next generation. They will come and declare His righteousness to a people who will be born that He has done this. God has done it and no one but Him alone. Tremendous psalm. Psalm 23. It's a psalm of David typifying the great shepherd. 22 was the good shepherd. It's often used in funerals. And it's read about the comfort that God gives to us as we have to walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Now, every one of us will have to go through the valley of the shadow of death if the Lord tarries. And yet, though it's something that's unknown, it isn't something to be feared by the Christian because we know that we have passed from death into life. I'm in no hurry, but it's going to be exciting. He says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. In other words, he's sufficient, he's all I need. Underline that. Yes, we need each other. Yes, we need the fellowship of the church. But the scriptures declare that the Lord is all I need. I need nothing else. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. In other words, he comforts me. He gives me that peace. He leads me beside still waters. He's always there. He restores my soul, he refreshes me. He strengthens me. He encourages me. He leads me in the path of righteousness. He shows me where to go. He guides me so that I don't take off the wrong way. For His name's sake, that I honor Him. You see, this is the shepherd's job. He takes the sheep and He, he directs them. He guides them. He feeds them. 
He cares for them because they cannot do it for themselves. They are totally dependent upon the shepherd. That's why the Lord has called us sheep. So hopefully we get the message. We are not sufficient for ourselves. We need to depend on the Lord. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. The rod was to strike the wolf. The staff was to guide the sheep. And so he is not only my guide, but he is my defender. Verse 5, he says, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Forever. I began my journey with God in 1973. I've got an entire eternity to dwell in the house of the Lord. I hope I'm going to see you there. Don't let nothing keep you from obeying Jesus Christ in His Word. I don't care how hard, I don't care how much pain, I don't care how difficult it is. Jesus is sufficient, and He'll never leave you nor forsake you. And I tell you, like Paul says, we can't even compare the eternal weight of glory compared to what we go through now. It's nothing. Psalm 23, such a powerful psalm. Psalm 24, we see Jesus here as the chief shepherd, the one reigning in his kingdom. It's a psalm of David. First six verses, we see the people of the kingdom. Verse 7 through 10, the king of kings. The earth is the Lord's in all its fullness, the world and those who dwell therein. Notice that everything pertains to him, even the ungodly. For he has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the waters. Who may ascend into the hill of the Lord? Or who may stand in his holy place? Here's the answer. Mark it well. He who has clean hands and a pure heart. Paul tells Timothy, My desire is that men everywhere pray, lifting up holy hands. Hands of obedience. Hands that keep their life right with God. Lives that are kept up in the light of God. Those with clean hands who do the service of God, not the devices of wickedness. A pure heart. One that is before the Lord always saying, Lord, keep me from secret sin. Keep me from presumptuous sin. Lord, put a door at my lips. Lord, guard my heart. Reveal my heart to me. See if there's any wicked way within me. He also says, he who has not lifted up his soul to an idol. Now, we don't worship idol statues today for the most part, but we have many things in our lives that can become idols. Our homes, our jobs, our children, our wives, our husbands, money, pleasure, anything. Whatever is the master passion of your life, that's your God. What are you living for? Are you living for Jesus or for things? He says, those who have not sworn deceitfully. These are the ones who will stand before the Lord, who will dwell on the holy hill. He shall receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. This is Jacob, the generation of those who seek him, 
who seek your face, Selah. Lift up your heads, O you gates, and be lifted up, you everlasting doors. And the king of glory shall come in. Now we see the king of kings. We've seen the people. Now we see the king. The king entering. The gates. Who is the king of glory? The Lord strong and mighty. The Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O you gates, and lift them up, you everlasting doors. And the king of glory shall come in. Who is this king of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the king of glory. Selah. The Lord of hosts is a title that means the Lord of the host of Lord's army, a fighting God. Chapter 19 of the book of Revelation, he comes back to wage war. A two-edged sword comes from his mouth and he wipes out everybody in the valley of Megiddo. Psalm 25, it's a psalm of David, it's a psalm of dependency and deliverance. The first seven verses, you have a prayer, verses 8 through 14. His confidence is expressed in the Lord. Verses 15 through 22, the deliverance. To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. O my God, I trust in you. Let me not be ashamed. Let not my enemies triumph over me. Indeed, let no one who waits on you be ashamed. Let those be ashamed who deal treacherously without cause. Show me your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me. For you are the God of my salvation. On you I will wait all the day. Remember, O Lord, your tender mercies and your loving kindness, for they have been from of old. Do not remember the sins of my youth nor my transgressions. According to your mercy, remember me for your goodness sake, O Lord. Remember not the sins of my youth. Who wants God to remember the sins of his youth? Not me. No way. I was a heathen for almost 24 years. There's no way. Even David. David says, Lord, I don't want to hear about him. Forget him. Good and upright is the Lord. Therefore, he teaches sinners in the way. The humble he guides in justice. And the humble he teaches his way. Not the proud, but the humble. All the paths of the Lord are mercy and truth. To such as Keep his covenant and his testimonies. For your name's sake, O Lord, pardon my iniquity, for it is great. He's transparent with the Lord. He doesn't camouflage his sin. Who is the man that fears the Lord? Him shall he teach in the way he chooses. He himself shall dwell in prosperity, and his descendants shall inherit the earth. The secret of the Lord is with those who fear him, and he will show them his covenant. Underline that verse. Do you fear the Lord? The proverb says it's the beginning of wisdom and the beginning of understanding. The fear of the Lord is a very key theme throughout the scriptures. My eyes are ever towards the Lord, for he shall pluck my feet out of the net. Turn yourself to me and have mercy on me, for I am this desolate and afflicted. The troubles of my heart have enlarged. Oh, bring me out of my distress. Look on my affliction and my pain and forgive all my sins. Consider my enemies, for they are many, and they hate me with cruel hatred. Oh, keep my soul and deliver me. Let me not be ashamed, for I put my trust in you. Let integrity and uprightness preserve me, for I wait for you. Redeem Israel, O God, out of all their troubles. A key theme, I wait for you. 
something that I have to continuously learn to wait on the Lord. He will speak, He will guide, and I need to wait. Pastor Xavier Reese, closing with some comforting words of deliverance from a verse-by-verse series of the Psalms. Now you can request a copy of today's verse-by-verse study, Psalms, chapters 18 through 26, on CD for just $4. And by the way, this CD will also contain everything Pastor Xavier shared with us the last time we were together, as well as some material we just didn't have time to include. Now the title you'll be asking for once again is Psalms, chapters 18 through 26. Or simply mention today's date when you write Simple Truths. 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Again, that's Simple Truths. 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And it's helpful when you mention the call letters of this station when you contact us. And then join us for more Simple Truths from the Book of Psalms right here next time with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com 